get all of the bullets. Yeah, you shot me through the heart. Casting dice and roulette. Welcome, Joseph, to the show. Thanks so much for joining me and us, everyone watching. I know <laughs> I'm really excited. So I want to start off with just asking about you. Um, you can start off when you were a kid or you can start off when you're on your LDS mission, but can you get into how you were sought and saved by Jesus? Yeah. So I served a mission in Orlando, Florida. And so uh, those that are the listeners, if you're not familiar with a Mormon mission, you get sent two years um, anywhere in the world and you don't get to choose where you go. And so you kind of hope for somewhere exotic and, and exciting. I was hoping for Australia personally, because I, someday I really want to go to Australia. That's just kind of a side note. But, um, so when I saw my mission call, uh, was to Orlando, I was pretty excited because I was like, oh, Disney world, and this is going to be awesome. So, um, and I, so then I get here and, uh, to Orlando and basically right at the beginning of my mission, I met this other missionary, Micah, uh, Wilder and Elder Wilder at the time. And so, uh, he was my leader. He was like, uh, in the mission system, there's like a missionary that is in charge of a certain group of missionaries. Um, and so like a district leader would be like in charge of like, like 12, I don't know, 10 to 12 missionaries and his own leader, um, would be more like 20 missionaries. And so he was, uh, the zone leader of this new area that I had just moved into, and so I immediately looked up to him as a leader, but uh, there was something about him that drew me to him. And I didn't really know what it was. Um, later on, as we developed our friendship, we actually became like best friends. And then he challenged me to start reading the New Testament as a child. And I, I didn't really understand what that meant at first, but he said it was important to look at the Bible and try to read it with the eyes of a child, because you see in uh, the way that I grew up, I was taught that the Bible was only true as far as it was translated correctly. And, and then we were told that um, it wasn't translated correctly, but you didn't really know exactly what parts were and weren't. So you, you kind of had this like cloud of doubt over the Bible as a whole. And as, so as I read the New Testament as an LDS person, uh, I didn't know whether to trust it completely or not. I would always look to my leaders to verify uh, if it was true or look to the Book of Mormon uh, or other um, LDS scripture because I trusted those with all my heart and I didn't completely trust the Bible. And I'm, I'm not saying that that's the case for all Mormons, but, um, uh, but that was for me. And by the way, I know that it's most respectful to like say the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but that's just kind of long. So just hopefully... The LDS people that are listening, hopefully you understand that it's not out of disrespect. It's just out of the brevity of why I'll say LDS or Mormon at, at times. Uh, but I don't mean any disrespect about that. And so anyway, uh, I started reading the New Testament in this new way. And that's when God started to open my eyes because I, I started to see things that I'd never seen before. And a lot of those passages in the New Testament I had never read before um, were never taught I was never taught to study the new Testament, like cover to cover, um, or any, any of the Bible. Uh, we multiple times when I was growing up in the LDS church, we were challenged by the prophet to read the book of Mormon, like that year or something like cover to cover. And so I had read the book of Mormon multiple times, uh, 
but the new Testament, I just knew like sections and verses here and there. And so, uh, my eyes were just, were opened as I, as I read his word, God's word. And, uh, I started to see that the gospel that I believed in and that I was teaching and, and, and that I had been taught all my life was different from the one that I was reading in the new Testament, especially when it came to grace and, uh, the way that I was forgiven, I had a burden on my shoulders and on my heart that I needed to earn my own salvation. I know that's something that is common that, that a lot of people accuse LDS and, and workspace type of religions of. And I just want to clarify that I, like, I didn't believe that my works alone were what would save me. I believed that Jesus made up what I couldn't do. So basically I had to do my very best and then whatever I couldn't do, Jesus's sacrifice on the cross was, uh, was what would pay for that. Now, and then reading in the New Testament and seeing that I was totally depraved in my sin and I couldn't offer anything to God. My, my righteous acts, even my righteous acts were like filthy rags to God, um, as it says in the Bible. And so things like that were, were just like shattering to, to my whole mindset and my framework of beliefs. And I realized that if I can't offer anything to God, then what is my chance of being saved? And, mm-hmm. and that's when I realized the gravity and the huge gift, uh, the free gift of eternal life that Jesus was offering me, that, that the Jesus of the New Testament I was reading about was offering me the complete payment of all my sin, complete forgiveness for eternity and for all the sins that I ever done and everything that I would ever do. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, just total mind blowing to me. So that's how God sought me was through his word. And as the more that I, the more that I read his word, the more my eyes were opened, the more I suddenly realized I have this crossroads and conflict between what I believe and what I'm seeing in the new Testament. And I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And it just got to the point where I finished my mission uh, those two years. And, uh, it got to the point where, uh, I, I just had to make that decision. And I realized I can't do it by myself. I can't do anything. I can't offer anything to God. The only thing I deserve from God is his wrath because of my sin. And he does, I deserve like for him to throw me into hell forever. That's what I deserve because I've sinned against him. And that's the punishment for sin. And yet, He's offering me this gift. And so I embraced that gift. I surrendered my life to Jesus, um, not only received salvation, but then became a disciple of Christ and, and dedicated and, and, and pledged to dedicate the rest of my life to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that all happened after I had finished my two-year mission. And oh, after after that. Yeah. Oh, so okay. through my mission was the process of okay. reading the word of God and just realizing, I mean, just like my shirt says that Jesus is enough. Like that is, that's what I came to realize that he was sufficient and that his blood was enough to cover me and my sin. Mm-hmm. And that changed my life. Mm-hmm. So my, the, it sounds timeline wise, first of all, praise God. I love hearing <laughs> that story God. because it is a work of the Holy spirit, right? That, that, yeah pulls on our hearts. He makes us even desire him and that he gives us a gift. It's really interesting that the God of the universe would cause us to desire a gift because we don't desire it on our own. <laughs> he wants to give it to us. 
Um, so praise God for that. Um, in terms of timeline, so you said when you started your mission, Micah is your leader, of, yeah. like a group leader. I don't know the technical word you, you use, yeah, but zone leader. zone leader. Yeah. And so he apparently had already gone through, you know, his conversion, like uh, trusting in Christ completely or. Yeah, it was through his, it was through the process of his mission that he went through that process, but he, but then he came to that climax, like while he was still a missionary. So he gave his life to Christ while he was still a missionary, had like two weeks left and then made public declaration of his newfound faith in Jesus, that, that Jesus was all he needed. And it caused him to be kicked off of his mission early. Okay. Okay. uh, A little bit early. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they tried to send him home in disgrace and excommunicate him because they, you know, it's a serious thing to say. You don't need like the Mormon prophet anymore and, and Joseph yeah. Smith or anything that you only need Jesus. It's like, that's, that's a really serious thing. And, um, but yep, he, he was just, he was sent home honorably, he finished his mission, but it was just, it was two weeks early. Okay. So you had time, basically you guys overlapped, but you it like went, um, like your mission went beyond when he finished. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. Exactly. I was like six months behind him. Okay. So what about the domino effect after that? Because I know it didn't just stop with Micah. It didn't just stop with you. Obviously you guys have family and you're surrounded by other missionaries. What were some of the effects? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really great question because the, the first domino uh, was when, when he challenged me to read the new Testament, but I forgot to say, he got that challenge from a Baptist minister. He, he went in as a Mormon missionary at the beginning of his mission and tried to convert this guy, um, this pastor, and instead was challenged to read the New Testament. And then he began to do that, which started to change his life. So he started sharing with, with multiple missionaries, not just me, but there were other missionaries that he basically just everyone that he could reach. And as a leader, he was able to teach once, uh, like, I guess it was like once a month or once a month and a half. Um, um, and he was able to, to teach us missionaries, like the focus of like, he's like focus on like love serving. Don't worry about bringing people into the church, just bring people to Jesus. And he was learning it himself, but he was teaching us. And we actually like, we called it the love movement. And like, we, we were the love elders. And then there were other missionaries that, focused on numbers and trying to bring missionaries or or sorry, to bring people into the Mormon church and focused only on the numbers and the legalism. And we called them number Nazis um, kind of uh, invaded breath. We didn't, (laughs) I I, I don't know if that that's kind of mean, but like, that's really like, there was a huge like separation in the mission where people missionaries had to decide what were they going to focus on? Yeah. So there was just uh, a big division in, in the mission of, of missionaries deciding to focus on love and serving above everything else or focus on just doing like, like a robot, like just doing uh, the numbers. And so Micah was influencing all these missionaries. So before he got kicked off of his mission, there was like uh, our mission president was kind of upset about what he was seeing. And he started bringing missionaries in and demoting them if they didn't like, uh, change and stop focusing on 
loving, serving. I know that sounds bad and it's not that they say they don't teach us to love and serve, but we were saying that that's the most important thing. And rather than, um, rather than just doing something, just, um, just to do it, you know what I mean? Like to have the right motivation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, and, and cause I don't want to misrepresent the, like the LDS missionaries or anything like they, they do love, they do want to serve. Um, but, um, it's really where my individual heart was. And, uh, and I went from changing from not just, uh, focusing on trying to teach people and trying to get to do the check marks and stuff, but to actually help people find this Jesus that I was discovering. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was really cool. So there were a lot of missionaries being affected by that. And in that mission, in that, um, at the end of Micah's mission, that meeting, uh, he like, like there were a lot of missionaries that heard that testimony. It was about 60 to 80 of us. And of that group, let me think. Um, I want to say four, I think four missionaries, including, including me, um, have left the LDS church and embraced Jesus from that. So there was a small domino effect of that, but we know that a lot of other missionaries were affected by that. Then he gets home from his mission. Um, and, uh, basically the rest of his domino effect is that his whole family left the LDS church and most of them have come to Christ. Um, just one brother, um, the, the oldest brother, we don't really know um, where he is, but uh, his whole entire family. So like his, so he had another older brother, Matt, who's in our ministry in Adams Road. And then his little sister, Katie, is who I married. So. Oh, I had no idea. That was <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. How amazing. Yeah. Which in fact, while we were missionaries, I saw like Micah had a picture of like his family and stuff on his desk and like he had a picture of Katie and I would, so I was like, dude, that's your little sister. Like, come on, man, hook me up, you know? And he's like, no. <laughs> and he wouldn't let me write her a letter or anything. So, wow. <laughs> but well, then he introduced us. He introduced us <laughs> yeah. I have to say first that what a testimony of, I think it's second Timothy one, seven that says we don't have a spirit of power or we don't have a spirit of timidity, but of power and self-control that God would lead a very young Christian first, like Micah to say, to kind of stand up with authority and say, this is what we're going to be about. We're going to be about loving and about who he would describe as the true Jesus. This is the real, this is the Jesus that we're serving. Um, So that, I mean, that, that's something definitely to praise God for. The other yeah. thing is, um, and I don't know if this is something that you've seen also. So question for you. I've watched so many conversion testimonies. They're just fun to watch, right? From anyone, someone that comes from a background that doesn't have any um, technical faith, I guess, or any like uh, organized faith or religion and comes to know Christ. I've watched, I used to live in the Middle East. So I talked to a lot of people who came from a Muslim background and became believers. Just so cool to see how God does that. But I've always seen a pattern and I don't know if you would agree with this, but I've seen a pattern in former Mormons that come to faith in Christ fully. And they tend to use the terminology. And then I saw who Jesus really was like, Do you agree with that statement? Is that how you would describe it? What are your thoughts? 
that's a great question. I actually, I mean, I feel like, I feel like if you word it like that, it makes it sound like you were looking at the true Jesus, but in a different, but in an in, incorrect way or something. But I actually feel like, uh, I mean, Jesus warns about false Christ and, um, I feel like I was following a totally different Jesus, not like that, that it was a creation of, of man and doctrine and stuff. I was not looking at the true Jesus until I started reading the new Testament. I was seeking him. I believe that he was seeking me and, and, and drawing me to him even. uh, But, but the, the Jesus that I believed in as an LDS person is totally different than the one that I know now. Okay, I think that's going to be really important to flesh out maybe a little bit more. What do you mean by that? Like, what was different? Yeah, Jesus. And and I'll preface this by saying it's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to hear as an LDS person. So I understand if you if you're viewing this and this is you know and this is hard to hear or offensive. I understand because when I was a missionary and someone would come up and tell me you're following the false Jesus, I would say no, I'm not. I'm following the same one you are. Uh, I thought that I was following the true one. The difference is uh, there's a, well, there's a lot of differences, but I would say the two main differences are number one. um, When I was LDS, I believed that Jesus was my older brother and that he was just like, um, I didn't see him as God. And that's a huge difference because the deity of Christ is uh, such an important aspect of Christianity, of course. Um, and it's something that's very downplayed, at least in my upbringing and, and the way that I viewed Jesus and the way that I see him now as the great I am, uh, the first and the last. I mean, th- those titles are th- that that makes him so much bigger than I ever, ever saw him. Yeah. And then the other aspect coming from that because of who he is, um, is what he's offering me because the Jesus of of the LDS church was only offering me uh, to make up what I couldn't do myself. Like in the book of Mormon, it says you're saved by grace after all you can do. And so I did everything that I could do, but yet I knew I could do more. And so I always fell short of that. And this Jesus was of, of uh, the LDS church that I believed um, at the time, the way I saw him was that he just kind of like, cleaned up the mess after me, like, like, uh, he would kind of make up the difference, as I mentioned before, where the Jesus now pays everything. And yeah, so the fact that his blood is that more, that much more powerful, that makes it a different Jesus, because Mm -hmm. the terms of salvation are different. Yeah, I don't think I had even thought of it in terms of what he what he offered, you know, that distinction the titles I had thought about, but what he offered or what you could offer as an older brother versus what you can offer as the God of the universe is a, is a distinction. Yeah. What about your family? How did they respond? (laughs) Yeah. So it was pretty tough. Uh, So this was, this was all happened in 2006 when I got off my mission and basically like, Anyone that's LDS that's listening to this understands the pressure and uh, of, of the family and like how, and, and I mean it in a good way, but like, you don't want to disappoint your parents. Um, like you get off your mission and your younger siblings are all looking up to you. So like, I'm the second oldest of six kids. 
uh, with seven kids, but, um, but so there's all these younger siblings looking, looking up to me as an example. Um, my dad was a convert. I mean, he grew up in, um, in South and Southern California and became a, um, like a Mormon at 15 or 16. And then he served his mission. Um, and so he was the example of, to his family and stuff, but then like I was the next son, my older brother didn't serve. And so a lot of was expected of me. So I get home off my mission and they're not expecting me to say, I don't believe in this religion anymore. <laughs> like they're expecting me to be like hardcore, like, like this is awesome. That was the best two years of my life. And my younger brothers go, go on your mission. It's going to change you and whatever. And I did come back and say, like, I'm a changed man. Like those were the best two years of my life because something happened uh, that changed me forever, but it wasn't in the change that they expected. And so um, I had a Mormon fiance that had waited for me for the two years. Um, so we planned to get married in the Mormon temple. And even though I didn't believe I had lost faith in everything uh, of the LDS church, but I was so afraid to lose her and to lose my relationships with my family that I was willing to go through it, um, for their sake. And so that was, that was showing my weakness in my flesh and just, and being a new Christian, I was just like, I, I was not, I was counting the cost. And like Jesus says, like, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He tells us to count the cost. And like, if there's a tower that you're going to build, you got to make sure you have the resources to build it before you start. Cause otherwise you're not going to be able to finish. And so at this point in my life, I was counting the cost. I was seeing, I might lose this fiance. I might lose all my relationships with my family. I might lose all my friends. And what about everyone that's looking up to me and that, that um, in my, in my congregation, my ward as, as they're called um, that they're expecting me to come back and be strong. And um, what about my entire, the entire life after you get back from your mission is to climb the ladder of callings in the LDS church. And I'm leaving all that behind. And what is going to happen? At the same time, I realized that Jesus was truly all that I needed. And as scary as it was, I couldn't deny what I had found in Jesus and this relationship, this personal relationship with him that I valued more than anything. So uh, I prayed to God for strength uh, I ran away from Utah because I didn't want to tell them in person. And I flew back to Florida. Like it was two weeks after my mission had ended. And then I called them and I sent an email. I'm sorry. I sent an email first. It was like the statement of my beliefs. I just laid everything out and then just waited for the aftermath. And, uh, then they, they slowly started calling me and asking me about it. Um, when they realized that I was serious, uh, then they were shocked and it destroyed those relationships almost immediately. Um, and because I had that kind of the buffer of like, I was back in Orlando and like they were in Utah. So I had like the entire country as a buffer. So that was, that was kind of nice. Um, but, uh, it was devastating for me. Um, and then, uh, and then when I told, uh, that girl, that fiance, I lost her as well. And, um, it, it was the loss of, of all things. And it was really hard, wow. but I had, 
that relationship with Jesus that got me through it and helped me rebuild my life on him. And, and it made me dependent on God. So at this point now it's been, yeah, I'm terrible at math. Uh, six, so 15, wait, yeah. 15 years. years. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> this, okay. So this July will be 15 years. So, uh, uh, the status report on my family is one of my sisters has, she left, uh, the LDS church, but, but now she is just saying that she's agnostic. And so okay. that breaks my heart that, uh, that she doesn't even know who God is or, or really even care, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, there's a lot of LDS people that might think that us in Android or, or maybe some ex-Mormons are like this, but they just want to destroy the Mormon church. They're, they're mad and, and they just want to hurt it as they were hurt. But that's not me. I, I would rather my sister still be in the LDS church than be agnostic right now, because at least then she'd be in ignorance and thinking that she was following God rather than uh, purposely just uh, not caring about mm-hmm. God. The rest of my family are still in the LDS church right now um, in varying degrees of, of activity. I'm not really sure exactly. Uh, my approach to them has changed dramatically over the years, but now I have a great relationship with them. And, and, I, and I thank God for that. And I just, I, I, I strive to, uh, to just love them with the love that God loved me with. Um, that, that selfless, unconditional love, no, and no, no judgment, just, um, just being there for them and allowing them to be LDS right now, because mm-hmm. that's what they are. You know, I mean, it, 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 it sounds funny, but it's like, it took me a long time to realize like, God, it's okay that they're LDS right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm okay with that because like, I was just, I was trying to shove Jesus down their throat because I, I want them to see what I found so bad yeah. that I became overbearing and, and, you know, pushy and, uh, and it caused them to, to close the doors on me and stuff um, yeah. because of my approach. And so, yeah. so yeah. I was able to change that. Um, thank God. So, so hopefully there'll be more Warren testimonies. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, this is really interesting because I didn't know all of that part about your story. And I think that you can see your story and Micah's story, you know, Micah has this kind of like amazing, oh my gosh, all your, almost all your family, you know, came to the Lord after. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that should be some, you could think that, oh, that should be the pattern. That's what happens. And then you say, oh no, another, there's another guy, Joseph, and he came to the Lord and that did not happen. Yeah. And just to see that God is the sovereign one who draws hearts and takes veils off people's eyes. And I think that's a lot of baby Christians who come and see the Lord for the first time. And it's like, wow, I, 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 everyone needs to know about this. And if I just explain it enough, they're going to jump on board, you know, I, know. I can give them all the evidence. Yeah. And then you realize what a heart is. It's a heart level issue that God moves the heart. It's not necessarily fundamentally a head level issue because there's a lot of people that are much smarter than us who don't know the Lord, don't love him. So it doesn't have to do with how smart or brilliant or, you know, erudite we are, which is really humbling, right? It's a very, very humbling realization to realize that it's God who does the work. 
So how did your ministry come to be then? You flew back to Florida. Yeah. I don't even know where you went in Florida. Did you, was it <laughs> or? Uh, I, so at that point, Micah had been, um, had been kicked off of his mission. He, he came back to Florida and they were him and some other returned missionaries, including his brother, um, that had come to Christ, um, had like started to form this ministry. Um, and at the time we were just banned, like, um, there were five of us guys. So that's me, Micah, um, Matt, who's Micah's older brother. And then there was a guy named Steve and Jay and all of them were, uh, former Mormons. Um, Jay is the only one that didn't serve a mission, but he lived in Florida here. And so he had converted into the Mormon church and then ended up leaving and stuff. So the five of us formed Adams road in 2006 and then, yeah. And then we just basically just started as like a band and kind of did like the, like the Christian, like music competitions, trying to get like record labels and stuff going in that route and uh, selling CDs and stuff. Basically, basically what Adams wrote at the time was, well, well, and now, but, but it's kind of uh, a bigger scope now. And I'll get into that in a sec, but um, our, our goal and we felt what our calling was, is that we had this in common that we were all out of this workspace religion. We wanted to share that story and we wanted to share God's word and we all had music in common. And so we started writing music filled with God's word, um, sharing our testimonies in some ways. And then eventually, I mean, we have 10 albums now. And if you start listening to the first album and then you listen to our latest album, you'll see that the, you can see our growth in the word of God and our growth in Christ because we were just infants in Christ. So we were trying to learn who he was and, and study his word and learn it. And uh, we were obsessed and are obsessed with God's word. And so we feel like it's, there's no better way to, uh, to memorize the word of God than through music, because, you know, like when you hear a song, like it catches in your head and you memorize it and stuff. Well, we're like, well, what if we could teach the Bible through, through music? And, and, uh, so that's what we strive to do. And then because we're filling God's word with music, like how can we charge for this? So a huge part of our ministry from the beginning is, to do it for free. Our first album and our first year as, uh, as a band, um, we sold our CDs. And I remember there was this one time where like, there was this guy that came up to the CD line and he didn't have any money. And for even a split second, me, me hesitating to just give it to him. I, and to be like, Oh, sorry, you don't have 10 bucks. Okay. Sorry. Can't have a CD. It's like, what? And from, like we just, we realized we're filling God's, we're filling God's word uh, into our music and our lyrics and God's word came to us freely. So mm. we want to give it freely. And from our second album on, we haven't charged um, any money for any of our music. Wow. So it's free download on our website. We, we shipped them anywhere in the world for free. And when we do our tours nationally, we give uh, copies of our latest album to anybody that's there in attendance um, all for free because we just feel like that, uh, our reward is to give the gospel free of charge. Cool. That's amazing. Did, yeah. okay. Your minute. Okay. You were going to go about your ministry now too, how it's kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So two of those, so Steve and Jay, 
left, I guess about uh, six years ago. I don't know, like, I don't know, a while ago, a while ago. So then, then, so the, the personnel has changed. So instead of five guys, then there was just three of us guys. So me, Matt and Micah, and then Lila came in the picture and she's our new lead singer. She came, um, uh, I think about four years ago and she came from a polygamous compound in Mexico. That was a, a break off of the mainstream LDS church. Um, um, and so it's a polygamous sect of, of Mormonism and she got saved when she's 10 years old and then got connected through to our ministry um, through a bunch of different ways. And now she's our lead singer and, uh, and so she has an amazing testimony. And so it's the four of us and we're the ones that go on tour. Um, and uh, obviously with COVID, we didn't tour last year, but yeah. Lord willing, we're planning to tour this year. So, mm-hmm. cool. but uh, we have a lot of other aspects of our, of our ministry. Like we, the, these Jesus is enough shirts. Yeah. We actually um, designed a bunch of them and we sell them. And then we take all the money and we give them to Compassion International and Food for the Hungry. And so that's kind of a side ministry. Jesus is enough storehouse is what it's called. Um, there's links on our website. Um, and then like our piano player, Matt, he's begun to do like um, these piano uh, spoken word, oh, huge yeah. things where he just like, he'll do like the book of John or something and he'll play the piano as he recites it. Yeah. Um, and so those are available on our website. So like we have all these different aspects um, and, and of our ministry. And uh, most exciting one right now is that Micah has just written a book and it's coming out um, in just a few months. And so uh, there's all these, and that's called Passport to Heaven. And right. Okay. Yeah. Very excited about that. That's, that's the story of what happened with him on his mission and how God changed him uh-huh. and the beginning of all the dominoes. So it's not necessarily primarily geared toward Mormons or the Latter-day Saint church. No. Right. Okay. But it just happens to be constituted of people that came out of the LDS church. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Our, our, our main message is that uh, coming out of a relationship, or sorry, coming out of a religion, like a workspace religion into a relationship with Jesus. So whatever religion that is, even sects of Christianity right. have that legalism and they need to have that focus on the relationship with Jesus. So I want to get into some of the like practical aspects, how evangelicals can engage with their LDS friends um, and what it looks like to, to love and to minister to them and to speak truthfully, not, you know, not backing down from what God's word says, but to do it in such a way that isn't pompous and arrogant and condescending and, and rude, which I heard in some of your, uh, a different testimony video, you had had lots of experiences where people would like shout you down or, you know, yeah. be rude, obviously about it, meaning and meaning to be rude. I think in the process, maybe some people didn't mean to be, but that's definitely how it, how it was. Some did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some definitely sure. did. So what is, what, what do you think evangelicals in general, let's just start at Mormon comes to their door, elder, usually a younger man, right? A, a, a young mm-hmm. adult male is usually the person who comes to your door. Yeah. And most Two people, 
Go. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Sorry. They're always in two, but that's yeah, the description of the guy who, the two right. guys who come is usually a younger, a younger um, man. Now, not always, right? That's a lot of 19 and 20 year olds. Yeah, it's about 18 to 20 now. Okay, 18 and 20 year olds. Um, so they get a knock on their door and they open it. So this Christian opens it yeah. and they're like, what do I do? Do I go in? attack mode do i go in defense mode do i say i don't have time because i have literally no idea what i'm going to say how yeah. should a christian be prepared and respond in that situation yeah so that's an excellent question um i know that the tendency will be to hide run um or make up some kind of excuse and i think the amazing thing just to preface that is that you have somebody that wants to talk about god coming to your door and we as believers, we have Jesus living in us and we have the commission to fulfill, to share Jesus with the entire world. And somebody that's unsaved is coming to your door that wants to talk. It's like you don't have to worry about the awkward, like, how do I start this conversation with this person in Walmart? Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like they literally want to talk to you. So uh, so it's an excellent uh, opportunity. So make sure to grab those anytime that they come. Um, so what we, so what we encourage people to do, and by the way, there's a really cool, there's a partner ministry of ours um, called truth and love ministry in Idaho. And they have a program called please open the door. That is a kind of a training program. Um, and maybe you can put the link. In yes, the I will. Like that. Um, that uh, basically it, you'll be assigned a coach and they will, I coached for a while and basically like, like you, you get, um, pointers of each lesson and, and it basically, it oh, trains you and helps you and walks you through each week, um, of each meeting with the missionaries so that you feel prepared and comfortable and equipped to talk to them in love. Uh, so that's a really great, um, possibility, but it takes a lot of commitment. So like, yeah, maybe not everyone has that time and everything like that. So the bottom line is, you got to love them. And so two things um, in offer them like water or like food, if you have, if you can, like, because like these guys, like, dude, it, 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 at least in Florida, dude, it was hot. And like somebody offered us like a drink of water. Like I remember that still, even to this day. And uh, that is, is just an awesome thing. There was like the Spanish lady that like, cooked the steaks. And so it was like, dude, I remember that. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to do that, but <laughs> just like do something like at least water. Um, and then just be like, look, uh, I would love to, I'd love to hear your message. Can we reschedule sometime where you can come back? And they'll be totally happy to do that. Yeah. Um, and that way you have time to prepare and to, to like figure out like how you're going to approach it and stuff. If you, if you really don't like, uh, can't do like a meeting or something like that. And you want to just talk to them like then, and you don't want to like reschedule, but you want to just talk to them on the doorstop or something. Then what I encourage you to do is um, allow them to share their message. This is what pastor Benson, the, the mission or the pastor that like Micah talked to, uh -huh. and he had this um, interaction with, this is the formula that, that he did. He okay. allowed the missionary to teach the lesson first. And you're just respectful. You're paying attention and listening to what they're saying, because then when they're done, then you can be like, okay, this is what pastor Benson said to Micah. He said, I recognize the zeal that you have 
and it's awesome. You're passionate about God. That's really cool. But what you just shared is not the gospel uh, that Jesus teaches us in, in the New Testament. And let me show you what I believe. And then you can open up the word of God and, and teach them. Um, it's important for you to be equipped. <laughs> so you have to know the gospel. You have to know what you believe from the Bible and be able to like, just uh, simply present it through the word of God, sharing scripture. Um, what I like to do is find specific verses that speak to me. Um, so like for me, first Corinthians one eighteen is one that I always use for missionaries because, uh, that's one of my life verses. I just love that one. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Mm-hmm. And then I would, then I would say, and so, so elder, like the reason why this, this verse is so important to me is because when I, uh, before I knew Jesus, I did not see the message of the cross um, as the power of God. I saw it as foolish and I was an LDS person. And like, I don't hide the fact that I was LDS when I'm talking to missionaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important because I don't want to deceive them. I don't want to trick them. I want to tell them straight up. Like I believed in the LDS church and I believed it so hard, but I found Jesus. And when I, when I found the message of the cross, and realized what Jesus was offering me, that changed my life. And now I see it as the power of God. That's why this verse is powerful. And so, um, so just the guidelines of that is to find a verse that you, that you personally relate to, because for Mormons, they like, that's really important for them to have like a personal connection. You know, they're always like sharing their testimony and um, even getting emotional at it because they really feel passionate about what they believe. And so we should too, like we should share personal things, you know, I'm not saying you have to cry or something, but you know, but um, like I share personal verses that, that mean something to me and they can tell I'm being sincere. And so whatever that is for you, like find that verse or verses and, and share the gospel through that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it's helpful to ask questions. So on our website on adamsroadministry.com, there's a section that's called ministering to Mormons and it just has a bunch of different like guidelines like this, like ask questions, Mm. um, avoid, like, don't go into like church history. Don't be like, so Joseph Smith, he was a polygamist, right? Like that's not going to help anything. And the bottom line is even if it causes them to, to doubt in their religion, is it bringing them to Jesus? And that's the, that's the question that you had to ask yourself. Right. So, so point them to Jesus, show them who he is through the word of God and allow that to make a change in their life. They'll leave Mormonism um, when they realize who Jesus is because he really is enough. And they realize they don't, they don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's important sarcasm and like, um, uh, like any kind of like uh, contention and like they, they're very sensitive to that. And so, mm-hmm we as Christians need to be sensitive and compassionate about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Would this extend to personal, like, is that basically the same format you would suggest people use in personal relationships? Or yeah. is that going to look, oh, okay. No, absolutely. That's absolutely. And how, okay. So if you had started over now, like let's yeah. say you, but you have the wisdom that you do now, but you become a believer right now, how would you have, reached out to your family differently? Yeah. Uh, so I would have, 
I would have told them, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh yeah. So my, my statement of beliefs that I mentioned that email that I sent, oh man, it went through tons of stuff with, with Joseph Smith and, and like all this stuff. And honestly, I would have kept it up just really simple. I would have just like, like maybe, maybe three points um, that, that would be the most crucial would be um, I don't believe that I need a man to stand in between me and God. Um, I have Jesus as my mediator. And like it says in first Timothy, that there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that was my, that would be one point. Um, second point, uh, forgiveness and how, how forgiveness comes, um, that I don't have to confess to any man. Um, again, that's going along with that other one, but that, that means I don't need like the, the Mormon church authority. I have, uh, this personal relationship with God and my sins are forgiven, um, through the blood of Jesus as a free gift and not by anything that I can earn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number three, how I revere the word of God mm-hmm. that, uh, that I believe it's God's word completely. And, um, and I don't doubt it. And with the word of God, I test everything. So anything, if somebody comes to me and tells me something that they believe, I would test it with the word of God. The, the Bible is my standard of what is true and what's not rather than feelings in, in the LDS church. I relied so heavily on my feelings mm-hmm. and emotions um, because that's what we were taught that like, if you, if, you, if, if something's true, then the Holy ghost is going to uh, bear witness to you through your feelings. And so as missionaries, we constantly would be telling people as they're reading the book of Mormon, Hey, you know, uh, sister Danae, like, how does this make you feel? Mm-hmm. And then you'd be like, oh, I don't know. It feels good. Okay. That's the Holy Ghost saying that this mm-hmm. is true. And that's how we thought truth was shown. Right. So I would do like very simple, like those three points. And then, and then I would just be like, I would love to talk to you about this. So there I've shared the gospel mm-hmm. and I've shared what I believe. And then, and then tell them I'm, I'm, I'm urgent. I, I, I want to talk to you about this, but at your pace and your time mm-hmm. and, uh, and I love you anyways, <laughs> yeah. but, um, I'm secure in Jesus and this is where I am. And I would love to talk to you about it. And then basically just sit and wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <because laughs> That's how I would have approached it. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Common response that I've gotten from, um, Mormon friends and missionaries is that, so you have these, you have the evangelical Protestant, you have the LDS member, the evangelical is taught Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? So that's the first thing yeah. out of their mouth. And then what is the, what is, yeah, and, the, and then the LDS comes back with, but James says, right? Yeah. So just to clarify that for people who are listening, it's common for an evangelical Protestant Christian to say, well, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says that salvation is a free gift from God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus created for good works uh, that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So basically it doesn't, our, our works don't achieve salvation. They are a product of salvation and, or, and they're a verification of our salvation. Whereas the, um, an LDS person, this, and this has been my experience just with the people I've talked to has uh-huh. been, well, James says faith without works is dead. 
And then you're like, almost that it's not like the evangelical didn't believe that, but it's like, you're at a face off. Yeah. Everyone's using their little, their little um, battle with this, with the sword, with the word of God. Um, so do we even get into that? Like, where would you come at? Would you like, no, let's not go the Ephesians 2, 8 route. Or would you, would you accept their, you know, their argument of James and then explain to them what James actually means to that? Where, where, what would you exactly. do? Uh, that's exactly what I, the second thing, um, okay. that said. that's, that's what I've done with Mormon missionaries. Um, literally. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And say you would explain what James intention in saying that is. Yeah. I, I actually like go to the passage. Uh-huh. I, I actually like kind of cut their legs off from underneath them because like, we're talking about Ephesians two eight nine, and then I'll be like, okay, now hold on a sec. I know you want to jump into James. Let's jump into James. Let's yeah, check yeah. this out. And we read it in context. And like, I only knew, like, as a missionary, I only knew like a few verses out of James too. But when you see it in all the context, you realize what he's actually saying. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful. Good, good. Okay. And then a second argument. Um, well, let's say this. A lot of people, like you said, will go into either church history or we'll talk about real like secondary things that really have no bearing on someone's faith. Like they'll go to the, and this is a really stupid example, but they'll go to Mormon underwear. They'll start asking questions like that. Sure. Right. Yeah. What's your response that like steer clear of these types of things or like they're, they're basically, they just distract from the conversation or what? Yeah. um, Just a really good guideline for that is, instead of thinking of something that bothers you as a Christian about mm-hmm. their beliefs, try to put yourself in their position and see what's bothering them and mm-hmm. go on that. And so mm-hmm. this is exactly the approach that that please open the door program does. Yeah. It focuses on you, you zero in on the stressors um, of, of the particular LDS person. So like what is stressing them out? I guarantee you it's, they're not feeling forgiven. They don't know if they've done enough. They don't feel worthy. They don't know if their standing before God is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you focus in on that burden of, I mean, just imagine if, if you, if, if we as believers, if, if our good standing with God could suddenly go in and out, yeah. uh, good standing. And then all of a sudden you make, you see well, I guess for you it would be a man, but I see a woman, I'm lusting. And then all of a sudden I, I dropped out of good standing with God. And then I, oh, sorry, sorry, Lord. And then I'm back in constant. I mean, that that's the burden that you're under in the LDS church that I had. So the most effective thing is to zero in on that and like, and like speak about how did you find forgiveness? How do you know that you're right with God? Mm-hmm. like we we are perfect in god's eyes he looks down at us he sees perfection because he sees jesus perfection cover us mm-hmm. and he doesn't see our sinful flesh any longer because we're covered in the blood of christ mm-hmm. but they are not they don't have that and they can't understand that because they haven't received that yet mm-hmm. um so so like if you can focus on that mm-hmm. that is going to be fruitful conversation mm-hmm. um we, we even tell people like avoid like the nature of God, even because okay. for a Mormon, it doesn't bother them that God was once a man, that, that, that doesn't, that doesn't bother them. In fact, it gives them comfort because then they, they see God as like a father figure that they can be like, and 
and, and everything surrounded with family of like heavenly mother, heavenly father, and like our older brother, Jesus, he showed the way and he's the good example. And so it's like this family and you feel comfort in that. Mm-hmm. Um, that bothers us as Christians to, for them to say that God was once a man of dust, like instead of the, the almighty everlasting to everlasting, you know, like that bothers us, Yeah. but it doesn't bother them. So we shouldn't waste our time like focusing on that. But I guarantee you, if you key in on like forgiveness, worthiness, um, being clean of your sins, like that is going to speak to them and, and cause them to be like, how do you, I want what you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Okay. That's a, that's really good insight. Um, and I never thought about it. Focus in on what is bothering them instead of how do you technically win the argument? You know, I think we're also like hung up on like, but how do I actually, how am I more correct than they are? Which we, as believers, we care about correctness. You know, we don't want to deceive or, or, or um, promulgate any type of false ideology or theology, but instead just the, what, what your heart's focus on is them and their heart and how, you know, what they're in need of, what they're suffering from. And you want to have, like you said, compassion, which is this joining in the suffering, almost like alleviating their suffering and saying, but you can be forgiven, fully forgiven. You can be seen like Jesus because he cloaks you in his righteousness if you trust him. So what is the last couple of thoughts? And if you want to add anything to that, it's great. Um, but last couple of questions for you would be, what is your hope for, um, a Mormon who is watching this? Like if you had, if you could speak directly to them and what is your prayer or hope for evangelicals watching this? Yeah. Um, so for any of the LDS people watching this, I hope that you number one, just feel love for you. Like you feel God's love and then you feel like mine and Danae's and other, hopefully other evangelicals that you meet. I hope that you feel love from those of us that are claiming to know Christ um, because the people, when I was a missionary and I met Christian Christians that would, that would um, I, I remember this one guy, I knocked on his door uh, and it was like a step up porch. And so we were really close to like, and then we, the screen door and we were like, like right near the door. We couldn't back up because otherwise we'd fall off the porch. And so we were really close quarters and the guy opened the door And immediately when he saw us, he just started yelling at us. You're false disciples of Jesus Christ. I know the Lord get off my doorstop. And like, we were just so shaken by that, but it caused us to be like, if that's Christianity, I don't want to have it. And like, I don't want to know the Jesus that they're talking about because we have the truth. That's why we're being persecuted. That's, that was my mindset from that. So I truly hope that, that, that any LDS people here are, are, are feeling uh, the love of God from me and from Danae um, for you. And that I, like, I truly care about you and I want you to come to know the Jesus that I've come to know. Uh, like what the verse that has come to my mind, um, I, I can just read it really quick here. Um, this is when Paul is talking about his former people, the Jews, and this is his heart for them. And this is what I would say, my heart um, for, for you, LDS people, because you were once my people. Mm-hmm. And he says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Mm-hmm. I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. 
for being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own. They did not seek to, or sorry, they did not submit to God's righteousness Mm -hmm. for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Mm -hmm. So I really hope that you find that, that Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness if you believe and that he is truly enough Mm -hmm. for the evangelicals. I would say, I want you to remember the, the significance of one single seed because the, when Micah left the, that pastor's um, office, um, uh, that uh, uh, pastor Benson, he like, they talked years later, you know, after he had come to Christ and they talked about that meeting and pastor Benson said that he didn't think that he had said anything of, of gravity that had, had impacted Micah in any way. He felt like he had wasted an opportunity to share the gospel and uh, that nothing had made an impact. And, and now you can see the domino that has happened with Micah, but then with his family. And then through our ministry, there have been so many people that have come to Jesus because of that one seed. And so, so like our job is just to plant and water seeds. God will give the growth. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is open your mouth. And so just don't forget the Great Commission. We've been commissioned to go out and share Jesus. And every time you take the communion, you're saying that you are a Christian, that you're a follower of Jesus, a follower, not just, I'm not just saying like you believe in Jesus, like you follow him. So you have taken up your cross and follow him in sharing the gospel Mm -hmm. and why that is so vital in our day. And especially uh, in America, fighting against the American dream, (laughs) but we need to be focused on our commission. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to be expecting his servants, the ones that said that they're following him to be doing what he asked us to do. So just to encourage you to to fulfill the great commission and love your LDS people, like like just to share that love with them. Yeah. And keep praying. Do not. Yes. What it means to keep praying for the ones that God's put in your, in your sphere. So, um, how can we support and learn more about Adams road ministry? Yeah. So our website is adamsroadministry.com. I'm I'm sure it'll be in the links and everything. Um, and um, you can find us on all the social media as well, like Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter and stuff individually, as well as, as a ministry, uh, all of our, so all of our resources are on our website. So like all the CDs, um, and like I said, we have the shirts that we sell, but we also offer a lot of other free stuff. We, we deliver Bibles anywhere in the world for free. Um, so if you have like somebody that wants a Bible, they can, they can find that. Um, all of our music is downloadable there. Our testimonies are on there, videos, um, just tons of resources. We even have this resource called the Bible Topic Guide List, where we took topics um hop to mormonism like temple and like celestial kingdom and like Mm -hmm. just different stuff that's specifically for mormonism Mm -hmm. and we compiled all the bible verses uh, uh, of those topics so uh that's um a very good resource that a lot of people have great uh you know greatly used um and yep and our ministry is fully funded by um, love offerings. So when people want to give then and are led to give, then they can through the website um, yeah. right there. 
And um, our needs are met physically because we actually, we have a tent making ministry. So we own and operate a bed and breakfast in Winter Garden, Florida. It's just like 20 minutes outside of Orlando. What is, and, it um, what is the bed and breakfast called? It's called the Edgewater Hotel. Edgewater Hotel. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, so there should be a link on our website, um, but I can send you the link so you can put it in the. Yeah. Um, but basically, so if people, anyone listening to this and like want to get out of California and come uh, <laughs> to Florida, we do. Um, we yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. So basically, so we own and operate the business, uh, the bed and breakfast, and um, and it, supp- it it supports the living expenses for us. Um, yeah. Uh, and then that's how we're able to do everything for free. So when we go on tour and we visit churches, um, it's all for free. So if, if there's anyone listening to this and they want to have us out to your church, um, then, I mean, we can't, we're not coming to California this year because of all the COVID stuff, but, uh, we're, but we are Lord willing planning to, to travel. Um, then it doesn't cost the church anything to book us. Um, again, all the information's on our website. So. Wonderful. Uh, what else? Would I? I can't remember what I was going to say, but oh. anyway, so th- that's how God has provided um, for us to be a free ministry. Like a lot of people are like, how can you give CDs for free? How can you do everything for free? And yeah. that's why, because yeah. our living ex- expenses are met through yeah. our business. And I, I do want to end on the fact that I know women are probably thinking about this. Oh, he was engaged and then it got cut off, but he got married. I did. Yes. Yep. I I married Micah's sister, Katie. Yes. Praise God. <laughs> cool, cool story. Yeah. Um, so God provides in many ways, not just uh, monetarily, <laughs> but provides for um, emotional and uh, spiritual, all the needs that we have, he, he provides from. Yes. Thank yeah, you, Joseph, so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Danae. And I hope people are really encouraged by this, and I know they will be. And before I let you all go, there's some really important and encouraging information about a book coming out by Micah Wilder. He is from Adams Road, and Joseph is going to give you some information about that. So, uh, yeah, and then one more thing, um, just really exciting and important. I mentioned the book, uh, Micah's book, Passport to Heaven, but uh, right now it's it's able to be pre-ordered on Amazon. So uh, the link will be in the description, but if you click on that and pre-order it, like, um, I guarantee you won't be disappointed. So yes. it's, it's just an amazing testimony of, of God's grace. So I'm really looking forward to getting it too. I saw that and I was like, oh, I got to click on that link right now, but it's pre-ordering. We're pre-ordering. pre-ordering. Yep. Okay. Comes out like the beginning of June. So yeah. So with Micah's parents um, coming to Christ, um, Micah's mom was a BYU professor and she wrote a book called Unveiling Grace. Yes. And so that was uh, a Zondervan bestseller. Um, I guess maybe it was like four years ago or, or something like that. It's been out a while, but you can find that book. So that basically it touches on Micah's testimony and then goes into the domino effect of what happened in his whole family and uh, that whole story. So that's available anywhere. Books are sold unveiling grace. And if you purchase that book, that supports the ministry that the parents have started. They, they actually travel around um, the country and actually they've gone uh, even into Israel and stuff and they share their story and they share like uh, specifics of they're, they're more of the fundamentals of like the differences between yeah. what they believed in LDS and what they believe in Christianity now. Um, so, but then Micah's book will 
be a, uh, it's the precursor of that. Um, yeah. It's basically like the, what the story before that. So started, yeah, it started. Both books are awesome. Cool. All right. Great. Thanks so much.